0: Hey man, it's an honor to be here. Uh, my wife is back in the back, Susan, uh, she would stand up, but she can't. Uh, she broke her foot uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then uh, my third son, Nathaniel's back here. He comes over here occasionally. You probably remember him. Then my son, uh, Benjamin, is here, and he'll be staying overnight. He wants to look over the college, so we're we're honored to to have be able to bring him over here and, and all. Uh, We appreciate you folks standing behind us and supporting us over the years. Um, I'll say a little bit about that, uh, what it means to us. Uh, But uh, if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. Sometimes we think the mission field or the field that we serve is a is large, and it is. Uh, Romania, as you've seen in the slides, if you were able to read, if if people in Kansas know how to read, I don't know. <laughs> I'm from the other Kansas, the one further south. <laughs> uh, but uh, when some of us don't read. We invented the toothbrush. That's why they call it a toothbrush, because in Arkansas, we only have one tooth, okay? But, uh, how big is the mission field? I'm a missionary to Romania, but can I reach all of Romania? When you think about it, the the city I'm closest to has 50,000 people in it. Have I met all those people? I've been there for 20 years in that city. The village that I live in has about 3,500 people. Have I met all those people? Do you, do you realize how vast the mission field is when we start talking about seven and a half, close to eight billion people in the world? How large the commission is for us? To, and we've got a lot to reach. Uh, in, in, within a few minutes of my, my village where I live, I live about uh, six or seven miles outside of Onesht, within five, 10 minutes there's 15, 20 villages. Uh, within 30 minutes, there's hundreds of villages. Will I, will I ever be able to reach all that by myself? You know what I'm saying? The, the, the job is vast. That's why there continually needs to be people called to go. There continually needs to be uh, active missionaries trying to plant churches in, those, in the areas that they're in. It's a big job. But look, if you would, in uh, Acts chapter number eight, we'll start in verse number five. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless the message and use me somehow to be an encouragement and a blessing. And uh, Lord, I pray that you give me the words to say and the wisdom to say the right things. Help me to honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ tonight in all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse number five again. Let's just go a little bit deeper into this. We'll, we'll look at it a little closer. Then Philip went down went down to the city of Samaria. You understand the elevated position that we have as Christians? We we are already located in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Everywhere we're going, around here we're going down. We can go down to Lawrence and we can find people that aren't saved. The problem is, is a lot of Christians aren't willing to go down. What we have right here, I'm making some brave assumptions, but I assume that probably most of the people in this room are already saved. And praise the Lord for the local assembly when we can all get together and we can be among our peers and we're not having to go down. We're we're, we're going out laterally. We're having a good time with each other. My favorite time of the week is when I get together with God's people. The greatest blessing I have is going to church. I love going to church. Amen. Amen? But when we leave church, we need to go down. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria. And by the way, he went down, he had a message. What did he preach? Mega. make America great again. <laughs> or the other side of it, make America socialist again. No, he had a definite message amen, uh, a lasting message, a permanent message, a message that's not gonna change with the, politi- uh, with the winds of political change. He preached unto them what? Christ. Paul said for me to live, to die is gain. He said Christ who is our life. Is Christ your life? You see, Some of us think that church, we go to church, we get our little spot of religion, and then we just go back to our regular lives on Monday. And we go back and we just live our our daily lives and we forget that Christ, if we're saved, is our life. Because what we do right now, this life that we have here on earth is very temporary without Christ. We have eternal life because we put our trust in in the blood that he shed on Calvary and his death and burial and resurrection. So he went down and he didn't preach his political opinions or anything else. He went down and he preached Christ. He didn't preach why the Roman government ought to be overthrown and installed with a better government. He preached Christ. By the way, I'm not against being involved politically. I'm not against that. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is our message is Christ. Why? Because we are Christians. And so Philip Philip went down. And he had a message to give. And the message was Christ. But one of the things is I've gotten older. Sven, we've gotten older. What happened to us? You've aged, brother. <laughs> so have I. But well, one of the things I've learned is there's nothing more important than preaching Christ. Amen. People are going to forget me. One of these days, I'm going to—they're going to take this tent of dirt. They have the song in Romanian. They'll take my tent of dirt and throw it in the throw it back into the dirt. That's where it's gonna go. It's not gonna last. A generation will pass and people will forget who I was. The only thing that I can do that matters is to tell people about Christ. And so Philip went down and he preached unto them Christ and the people with one accord gave heed. Would to God that today they would all give heed. Not quite that way anymore. I remember when we first went to Romania in 1995, you couldn't couldn't give out enough tracts. You always ran out. People would come up and beg you for them. If you had some Bibles to give out, they would beg you for them. Now you give them out and they throw them on the ground, even the Bibles. But you know, they, they with one accord, Gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now, you understand that in the book of Acts, the Bible wasn't completed. And so the miracles and the things that we see as miracles in the book of Acts were to give proof to the message that was being preached. It was a a changing time. And then that which was perfect was come, then that which was in part was done away. The miracles, the signs, the wonders, that kind of thing. By the way, are there miracles today? All right? The miracles are a lot better now than they were then. What is it? You know, we could read on, we see that uh, unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed of them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. Oh boy, if we could just do all that, people would get saved right and left. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. Because now we have a complete Bible. And now, what, what all that was about, all that healing and all the, 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 the speaking in tongues, by the way, the speaking in tongues was other languages. I speak in tongues on a regular basis. Amen. Yesterday, for about 15 minutes, I had a short uh, church service for my people in Romania. I spoke in tongues for about 15 minutes. Okay, I spoke Romanian. I spoke in tongues with uh, this fellow down here for a minute. He didn't understand a word I said. So I shut up like you're supposed to do when there's nobody to understand what you're saying. But the miracles. Yeah, he did some miracles and people gave heed and people got saved, but we've got a whole Bible now. We got it all, we we have everything we need. One time I was in uh, 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 I was having a church service on Sunday night. We'd had a real good service on Sunday morning. I was really expecting a good crowd on Sunday night, and nobody showed up. Where is everybody? Well, there's a, there's a, a guy at the Pentecostal church, and uh, he died for four days and he came back to life. And he's got a real good testimony for God, and everybody went to hear his testimony. Oh boy, what a wonder. Wonder if any more people got saved. Signs and wonders, my next message was uh, wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. (laughs) We've got a whole Bible. What more signs do we need? What more signs do you need? Look at this. And there was great joy in that city, verse number eight. And there was great joy. What brought the joy? Some people got healed. No, some people received Christ. Amen. That's what brought the joy. You know, the greatest miracle that ever happened to me, and I'm gonna tell some stories, I'm gonna reminisce about my time as a missionary preparing to get to the field and things like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just kind of jog my memory and your memory, but one of the, the greatest miracle that ever happened to me was not money coming in the mail whenever I really needed it. It wasn't my son Nathaniel being healed and and us being able to go to the mission field back in 1995. Those were miracles, but that wasn't the greatest. The greatest miracle was when God took a guy that deserved to go to hell and spend eternity burning in fire forever and ever and ever. He took that guy and he, he opened his eyes and I realized that I was a sinner and I received Christ as my savior. A transformation happened to me that not only changed my life, it changed my eternity. What bigger miracle do you need? The problem with the world today is what God has given us isn't enough. And that's why the Pentecostal and the charismatic movement is so powerful because, or not powerful, but so uh, attractive is because what we have just ain't enough. God's not enough. What the Bible's given us isn't enough. We gotta have just a little bit more. And when we start trying to add to and help God out with this stuff, we start messing things up real good. And so, here's something that I found. Serving God brings joy. Brings joy to me, but that's not why I should serve God, is it? Sometimes it doesn't bring joy to me. Sometimes it's just hard work. Sometimes it's just repetitious daily grind. Sometimes it's, it's just uh, frustrating. Well, between 2004 and 2008 or nine, almost everybody in my church moved to Western Europe because that's where the money was at. That wasn't very fun. But I will say this, the people that were there that came to my church between uh, 1995 and 2004 and they received Christ, they have great joy. Amen, no matter where they're at. You know it's not all about me, don't you? Sometimes I think it is. They left me. They went to Germany. How could they? They went to Ireland. They went to Sweden. They went to France. They went to England. How could they do that whenever I'm here? But it's not just about my joy. One of the things that happens to Christians, because Christians are made out of the same stuff that the people in the Old Testament were made out of, is we forget. We forget what God's done. We forget the blessings that God's God's done in our lives. Uh, The book of Deuteronomy, if it has a theme, the theme is remember. Remember what God did to the Egyptians. Remember the Red Sea. Remember the waters at Meribah. Remember this, remember that. Remember, remember, remember. Why? Because when we quit remembering, we start complaining. And we start getting discouraged. When we, just, when we get into this little bubble where we only see our own life and our own problems, and our own sorrows, and we forget what God's done in the past, we get discouraged. So many things happen as I prepared to go to Romania. But even, even at that, I, I, you look, I look at my past and I see how God was laying the groundwork. Sven, you remember Jeff Bassett, right? Okay. Well, let me go back a little before that. I would, you remember I was a bus mechanic at the church, okay? You remember Steve Beard. His dad was a pastor on the south side of town. One day, Steve Beard's pastor, uh, his dad called me. He said, Brother Jim, you're the mechanic there at Windsor Hills. I said, yes, I'm the mechanic. He says, and um, you do all the repairs on the buses. Yeah, I do all the repairs. That's why they run so good, amen. He says, well, here's what I've got. I've got a car in my garage. It's a Toyota. And I started working on it. I took the motor out of it, took it all apart, and it's all in the trunk. And if you want that car, you can come down here and get it. I'll give it to you. All the parts are there. They're just all taken apart. It's all in the trunk. So I said, okay, I'll get it. And so I took my spare time and I I took that motor and I looked at it and I didn't have the internet back then. Didn't have a YouTube video on how to work on a 72 Toyota Corolla. That goes way back, all right? But I put it all back together and got it running and it ran really good. So I registered it and started driving around and it needed brakes. So I put brakes on it and then it needed tires and I put tires on it and I got that thing in really good shape and I was happy as I could be because I had a nice car. Well, my friend Jeff Bassett was about to start deputation to the Ivory Coast, but he didn't have a car. And God, I don't know why he would be so selfish told me to give that car to Jeff Bassett. And I said, but God, I just got it all fixed up. And he says, yeah, I know. That's why I let you fix it up. (laughs) Well, of course, not of course, but it was a struggle, but I did finally give the car to Jeff. And he used that car through through all of his deputation And on his way back to Oklahoma City to give me my car back, it blew up in Missouri and I've never seen it again. (laughs) I think the guy still has it, the the farmhouse that he left it at there. Might be worth something nowadays, I don't know. But uh, I tell you that story. Now let me jump ahead several years. I'm about to leave for deputation just a few weeks away from leaving to go on deputation, I don't have a vehicle that I can rely on, that I can travel in. At that time, I was the bus mechanic for Mickey Carter in Lam- at Landmark Baptist in Haines City, and I was also working at a children's home as a house parent. And uh, you know how much uh, children's home pay, and you know how much they pay bus mechanics at, the, at, at Independent Baptist Churches, so I didn't have money to buy a car. But the director of the children's home came up to me just about a couple of weeks before I was to leave on deputation and he said you 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 do you need a van to travel in I said well yeah I do he says well that's good because the other day I was at an auction with my son and I reached up to scratch my head and I bought a van <laughs> He says I I guess I need to give you that van by the way, God's got a good sense of humor, it was a Toyota van. <laughs> God didn't forget. Amen. And I used that van through my whole deputation and I, well, actually that one survived deputation for about a year. I left it with a pastor in another church somewhere on my way uh, as I was getting ready to go to the mission field. God's so good, Things like that I can go back and remember and and I'm in Romania and I don't have money and I'm needing a car and I'm praying for a car and I'm praying for a car and I'm thinking he did it once, I don't think he can do it again. Isn't that the way we do it? Um, uh, that, That was just an accident and God just happened to get the credit for it. Is that the way it works? No, it was God. And by the way, God has always met our needs. God has never left us stranded for very long. And usually because I needed it. But listen, things happen. And we uh, with those things in the past that God has brought us through, that kind of anchors us, doesn't it? And, and God, in the, uh, talking to the children of Israel, and, and God through the book of Acts is reminding us, look, serving God is a great joy. And, and I, most missionaries look at deputation as a drudgery and, and it was a drudgery in some ways. I kind of liked to preach. And so I liked the opportunity to preach at churches and all. I enjoyed that part, but the, the part I didn't like was making the phone calls to make the meetings and the pastors dodging your calls. And, Amen, Brother Sven. There's parts of it you like, some, some parts you don't like, but it's all necessary and it's all getting you ready. By the way, I'm all for deputation. It'll weed out some bad missionaries. They can't make it through deputation, they ain't gonna make it on the field. It's necessary and it's not even evil. Churches need to hear from missionaries. Right, Brother Hanks? You're letting me preach tonight. You must think that your church needs to hear from a missionary. They need to be challenged and provoked in, in, in staying faithful to the work. And the, the joy of it, I think about some of the, the, the greatest times I had was on deputation. Some of my best friends are ones that I met while I was on deputation. One of the incidents that happened on deputation, I'm, I'm traveling out to North Carolina, and I, this was before cell phones, and this is before I had credit to have a credit card. This is before a lot of stuff that normal folks have today. This is about 1993. I'm headed for a church in, in North Carolina. It's Friday afternoon. And so I pull off at, at, a, at a spot, get, out the, get, get to the phone booth and, and start stuffing quarters in the phone booth to call the pastor. And I called the church and I said, no, I'm, I'm going to be pulling in t- uh, tomorrow evening about such and such a time and, and I'm scheduled to be in your church all day Sunday. And they, look, they, they say, no, you're not. You were supposed to be here last week. Oh, no. I said, well, okay, what are we going to do? And they go, we don't know what you're going to do, but you're not going to be here tomorrow. <laughs> and so I'm in an area where I don't have any Buddy, that I know, the closest person to me that I know is more than the gas I have left in my motorhome, and uh, he's down in Americus, Georgia. It was Robert Sutton, and I call Robert Sutton. I say, "What? What do I do? Do you know somebody up in this area? Because he's from the North Georgia area, and." Um, and I'm in North Carolina and I thought maybe if he knew somebody and he says, if you can get here, I've talked to my pastor, if you can get here, he'll help you. Just get here and so the children's home gave me a Shell gas card and said, you get $25 on this Shell gas card and I was able to put that little bit of gas in And with what gas I had, I barely crept into America's Georgia on the fumes that were left in my motorhome. But that was one of the greatest detours I ever took as a missionary. I made more friends. I met Brother Brother Sutton's uh, uh, brother-in-law. He fell in love with us and our family. Through that, I was able to get like 10 other meetings in the area. What a blessing it is, God's detours. Now, Not everything's good. Not everything we understand at the time we're getting ready. My son Nathaniel was born with a heart defect. We started deputation three days after he was born. I'm a smart missionary. Just ask my wife. Three days after he was born, we started deputation. But he was born at a birthing center through a midwife and they sent us to the doctor. The doctor listened to him, says, I think he's got a little bit of a heart murmur. He says, come back in six months and we'll, we'll check it out a little bit better. So I had meetings scheduled for six months out and then, then I was gonna be back anyway. So we scheduled my next appointment. Got back in December, listened to his heart, still a problem and it's worse. He says, okay, I'm gonna get you set up with a cardiologist up at Shands Medical Center in, in, in Florida. You get, uh, get back here and it was back in March. So I went out and did my meetings up through March came back, put him in the hospital, they checked him out and they had to do surgery immediately. And that was the end of deputation. They said, you can't go to Romania with this baby. He's got too many problems. The medical system in Romania cannot handle this type of a problem. You're not gonna be able to go. I was going to preachers for advice and asking them, what should I do? Some of them said quit, some of them said stay with it. I went to one mission conference during that time and uh, whenever I got there, I'm sitting across the table from the keynote speaker at the missions conference uh, with one uh, one of the mission boards that I don't even really remember which mission board it was, probably better off if I didn't. I said, sir, in the situation that I'm in, what would you suggest? He says, if you were with our mission board, we would fire you. You have too many problems. That was encouraging. Amen. For six months, we were in the dark as to what God was doing with our lives. Should we stay? Should we keep planning to go to Romania? I've been on deputation for six months, God had really blessed. We, had, we were raising our support really fast. Uh, Romania in 1995, uh, 1991 and 92 was really hot back then. Everybody was trying to get there and the churches were, man, we're gonna get somebody behind the Iron Curtain. We're gonna get somebody in a communist, former a communist country. Everybody wanted to help missionaries get to Romania. And I was picking up support really good and then all of a sudden, bam, no more deputation. What do we do? What are we doing to God? What, what, where do we turn? And we began to pray about it. My son, Nathaniel, he, he stayed sick for six months. He couldn't eat. Every time he would eat and move, he would throw up. Six months, he never gained even an ounce. He was 13.8 pounds at his first operation. At his second operation, he was still 13.8 pounds. The only time we could feed him and he could keep it down was whenever he was asleep, we would slip a bottle in his mouth and he would be able to suck it down and be able to keep the food down. The doctors would yell at my wife because you just don't know what you're doing, you're not a good mother and all these other things because we couldn't get him to feed right. Six months there was problems and finally they, We were in Arkansas, took him into the children's hospital. They did some listening to him and checking on him and and they said, there seems to be a problem. They did some more checks and they said, yeah, there is a problem. We're gonna have to do surgery right now. And in August of that year, they did the surgery and they did open heart surgery. They were able to repair everything they could and after he got done, he no longer threw up. He began to gain weight. Six months later we took him in. Can we can we go to Romania? Yeah, there's no reason why you can't go to Romania. Everything should be okay. He's going to be a healthy boy. He's progressing good. He's growing the way he should. God worked it out. But let me tell you something. There was that six months period there. Every month during that six-month period, I was ready to call the mission board and say, We're done. We think that God doesn't want us to go to the field. Now I'm going to tell you something. I want you to understand that missionaries aren't totally in love with money. You understand? But something about people that give to you encourages you. And during that six month period of time, every month, I would get my report from the mission board. And on that report would be the churches that sent us money that month. And every month during that six month period, there'd be two or three new churches added to it. I'm thinking, I need to quit, I need to quit. And God says, no, you don't. I'm gonna take care of you. I'm not going out and doing meetings. But churches are taking us on for support. I want you to understand something. Your church, every month, every month without fail, your church sends us a check. Okay? I get my report, I look at my report, this church every month, that means something to me. The size of the check is somewhat important. I, I, I'm gonna be carnal enough to admit that. But it's not that. It's the fact that you're doing it. Amen. Yeah. You, you've got missionaries that may be discouraged and just knowing that you continue to support them. Things aren't going as well as they would like for it to go on the field. They just lost three new people to Western Europe and they're wondering if God's through with them in Romania. And they look at it and they still have all their churches and God is still paying all their bills. Where God guides, he provides. Amen? Amen. And that, that was an encouragement to me and we'd be talking about, we're gonna, this month we're gonna, we're gonna call the mission board and then we get the, get the check, get the report and there they are. What an encouragement that was to us. What an encouragement it still is to us. Is God through with us in Romania? Yep, we get our report and there they all are again. All those churches that through all those years have supported us and are still supporting us. God still must want us to be here. Then there's the joy of getting to the field. You've spent, I spent three and a half years. I was a good missionary. It takes me a long time to get things done. Spent three and a half years on deputation. I did four years of Bible college. Three and a half years of ministry outside of Bible college. God preparing me for the mission field. Deputation, then finally we get the ticket spot and we, we're in New York City and we're climbing on the airplane and, and the people meet us at the airport in Bucharest and pick us up and man, we're living the dream now. We're there and the Romanians are all gonna love us and everything's gonna just be great and we're excited. What a blessing it was to get to the field. Of course, reality sets in pretty soon. We get our first apartment. And my wife comes down to see the apartment that I picked out. And I said, It could have been worse. And she says, No, it couldn't have been. <laughs> and I said, Boy, have I really blown it. Never get an apartment without consulting your wife. But think about it. I think about it and what God has done in those years. I worked. Through another ministry, through a a man named Gary Matheny, and and he had all a bunch of missionaries. He was the one that he was the definition of a pioneer missionary. He got to Romania right after it opened and was able to pioneer the visa procuring system for missionaries. He he's the kind of guy that can put his mind on something and he just bulls his way through it until it's done. And he figured out how to do it and he, he bullied the ministry of religions and he bullied everybody and they finally got the visa process worked out for missionaries. What a blessing that was. Things that we, we went through, the, the, the not being able to find food that you wanted, the things that you needed Sometimes because Romania in 1995 was pretty primitive. It was still suffering from the 45 years of communism that it lived under. But God was so good. God continued to meet our needs. During that first year, our support continued to go up. And God continued to meet our needs. God provided money for vans and vehicles. God put us in a church outside of... uh, Brasov, it was about a two, at that time about two hours away from the main, the main hub of our ministries. And he gave me this little short guy to work with, his name's Marian, and he was my translator. I didn't speak Romanian, of course, and I was trying to learn Romanian, he taught me a lot of Romanian. We worked together and we were able to start that first church there. Sventu Gheorghe Independent Baptist Church of Sventu Gheorghe Sventu Gheorghe means St. George. and. Um, That church now is an independent, uh, self-supporting, autonomous local church with a Romanian pastor and that is currently active in starting a church plant out of that church in another town nearby. They've they've, uh, started their own institute for training their own men to go out and do the same thing in the area. What a blessing that was to be a part of that and watch the, the lives that have been changed to the ministries that we have, the people that have been saved. We were also able to help start another church in Puchwasa. Puchwasa means sulfur or stinky. So it's nearby a sulfur area, and it really stinks there. But one of the most successful churches we've ever had as far as producing workers for the Lord. A young lady that worked in our ministry for almost 20 years with us in, in the city that we work in now, um, she came out of that church. She was just out of high school, started coming to our institute and was a member of that church. And when we moved over to the other side of the country to, to start working with gypsies in the other side of the country, she came with us. Our pastor gave, her, gave, her, gave his permission for her to come with us. She served with us all those years, working with the children and, uh, and, and reaching children. She just got married up in Poulson, Montana to a uh, preacher up there, an independent Baptist preacher. And what a blessing that is. And her sister is in Tennessee serving the Lord. Her other sister is in in, uh, Zambia, Africa uh, as a missionary and others that are serving. That church is now uh, a a self-supporting church. The area that we're in right now has not been quite as successful, but the Lord has... uh, uh, brought a lot of people. I think about a young lady, not so young anymore, but Viorica. she was about 15 years old when we first started going to Onesh in 1995 doing Saturday, Sunday evening services. And Virica was, if I ever met somebody who was demon-possessed, it was her. You remember the demon-possessed girl in the book of Acts that would go in front of Paul and say, Uh, These guys are bringing us the message of the great power of God. You remember that? And you always wondered why it grieved Paul that somebody was just saying, hey, these guys are going to tell you about Jesus. Well, it'd be like going into town and the biggest drunk in town came up and said, hey, that's my pastor. You know, or the biggest drug dealer or whatever. Villarica. Quite unique. First time I seen her, I thought she was a boy. It was like a month later that I figured out she was a girl. She would come to church drunk and cause so much disruption that I'd have to ask her to leave probably once or twice a month. She would get in fights all the time. She'd come to church cut. One time she threatened me with a knife. Um, she would come to church and sing not the song we were singing, the song she wanted to sing. (laughs) Just, and I'd have to ask her leave. About five years ago, six years ago, Rica was walking home at night drunk and she got attacked by a pack of dogs. And they ripped her skin off of her head and off of her, she doesn't have a scalp anymore at all, her arms, her legs. I went to visit her in the hospital after that and I sat down beside her. I said, Rica, don't you think it's time for you to get saved now? She received the Lord that day. She got well. She came back to church and she wasn't the same girl. She never interrupted another church service. I'm not saying she's perfect, she has her problems. Poor girl lives among a bunch of Pentecostals, they keep her all messed up all the time. But she got saved. And she probably brings more people to church than anybody else. What a blessing it is to serve the Lord. What a blessing it is. We forget what God's done and we no longer see the ministry as a blessing. And we get tired and we get discouraged and we get uh, frustrated and we say, well, maybe God's through with me. Well, you know, let me encourage you to do this. Think about what God's done for you. Start at your salvation and work forward. You get discouraged, you say, is God through with me? By the way, if you're still drawing air into your lungs and that oxygen is being turned into carbon dioxide and, the, and, and feeds the plants later, God's not through with you yet. Amen. Let God use you. You see what it said? And there was great joy in that city. Is there great joy in your life? Maybe not, but if you're serving God, somebody's getting some great joy. Not too long ago, we dedicated the auditorium at our church, and people that had left and gone all over Europe were sending letters back, congratulating us and and uh, expressing their appreciation for somebody that came and told them about the Lord. I remember sitting with a missionary. I've taken, I don't know how many missionaries I've taken to the airport, never to return to Romania. And I was sitting in with a missionary. He was about ready to quit. And he did quit. I said, when you leave, who's gonna tell this part of Romania about Jesus? I can't come over here and do it. Too far away for me. You realize that when you leave, you're going to be taking the light switch and flipping it off. Man was so discouraged, so frustrated. Let's don't do that. You work in a bus ministry, don't get frustrated. You know, I work with sinners. Sinners, you know what sinners do? They act like sinners. Right? Don't get frustrated at sinners. You know what they need? They need to get saved. I work with gypsies. Gypsies are everything you ever heard about them and more. Okay? They earned their reputation. They worked really hard to get it. They're hard to work with, but you know what they need? They need Jesus. Why? They're just sinners, just like you and me. They need the same thing I needed. They needed Jesus. Let's don't get weary in the work that God's given us to do. Let's pray.